Patreon bonus episode. Today we're speaking to Dan Nui. He's a British YPG fighter, so he's a volunteer fighting with the YPG with the Kurdish militia. He's currently in Syria and his family have been being harassed by the British government back here. He's going to talk about that. Yeah, so Dan, I guess the first question is like, who are you? Why are you in Rajava? Do you know what I mean? Maybe explain a little bit about your history fighting uh, alongside the YPG. My uh, name is Dan Nui. Um, obviously, I initially joined the uh, YPG uh, back in 2017. Uh, and the main reason for me joining the YPG was to help in the fight against Dash. Um, I fought in a, you know, a multitude of different places, uh, mainly in Deir Ezzor, uh, places like Abu Hammam, Abu Hadad, Garanij. And uh, yeah, I returned to Rajava um, in October, not too long after the, the Turkish invasion. Um, and the, the reason for me returning was I, I couldn't sort of stand to see the, the crimes that were being committed here and being perpetrated here. Uh, I felt like I had to, to come back and help uh, the people that had helped us um, so much uh, to sort of deal with whatever's going on here. Okay, mate, cool. Um, and don't, don't give away your position, but, um, you know, maybe explain what you're doing out there right now, because obviously it's a little bit different from fighting ISIS, you know, it's basically fighting uh, the proxies of a NATO partner, you know. Where are you right now? What are you doing? Yeah, like you say, I can't exactly say um, the precise location of where I am, but, um, yeah, we've uh, got back from the, the front not too long ago. Um, the front line that we were on was... Um, very close to uh, to Taltama. Um, at the moment, the uh, location that we're at, we're just um, digging some more uh, defensive positions whilst we've uh, got a bit of R&R &R, um, away from the front. Um, yeah, as you say, it's completely different to uh, to how it was when we were fighting against uh, ISIS. The, the the biggest sort of change is um, the, the fact that they've got a, an air force, they've got drones, they've got planes, and they've got a lot of uh, armor as well, armor and heavy weapons. Um, you know, the YPG, we can't really fight conventionally and uh, be successful against a, a military like this without our own air force. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the time um, it's just, you know, trying to hold defensive positions and trying to repel whatever they sort of send our way. Um, and then, yeah, the, at night time uh, we launch um, sort of raids into uh, into enemy-held territory um, and we attack their positions. Um, so it's a, a lot of guerrilla tactics that we're using at the moment um, just to try and, um, you know, try and hit them as hard as they hit us kind of a thing. Right, are you seeing um, Turkish military at all or is it just the, you know, the the mercenaries that they're, they're um, getting to fight for them on the ground? The, uh, the Turkish um, conventional soldiers um, they have a habit of trying to uh, to stay away from the uh, you know the, the main areas. Um, so it looks like they're trying to use their the jihadist puppets to do to do most of the dirty work. Um, however, a few times, um, a few of the uh, raid operations that I've been on, um, when we've got close to the enemy position before we've launched our attack, our communications have been completely jammed. Um, and then when we've approached the position, we've realised that there are, um, you know, a couple of Turkish soldiers actually embedded um, with the uh, the jihadists. Um, so they're using things like communication jammers, which, uh, you know, really affect us quite a lot. And, uh, you know, they're mainly doing jobs like... Um, like being forward air controllers or like um, sort of target marking for, for artillery and stuff. Um, so, yeah, at the moment there's, there are Turkish soldiers, but there's not 
not you know like a, a vast number of them um, embedded with the jihadists but they are definitely embedded with the jihadists um, I think what we'll start to see over the uh, next few months if the jihadists keep getting beaten the way that they are at the moment is you'll probably see um, more uh, conventional sort of Turkish soldiers uh, being sent into areas uh, the, the, you know this is the sort of thing that happened in Sirikani uh, the, the jihadists they got sent back in body bags like a lot of them and then in the end they ended up sending the, uh, the commandos in um, so we'll probably start seeing this uh, more and more. Um, obviously, the Turkish soldiers as well, they're operating a, a lot of the tanks that we're seeing. Um, the, the jihadists themselves, they do have access to their own armoured vehicles. They've got dushkas, um, they've got armoured personnel carriers, um, but they're not not sophisticated kind of a thing. The, the more sophisticated, um, you know, heavy machinery is operated by conventional Turkish soldiers. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, the uh, bread and butter sort of troop of uh, this force is just jihadist. Um, maybe explain problems that you've had then with the law in the UK. And I know about the situation with your dad, we'll get onto that. I know that this started before then, right? Like as soon as you came back the last time, your passport was taken, you know, explain that, what happened? Last time I left Rojava, I went home a bit of a weird way in comparison to what most of the British volunteers take. I decided to uh, to fly to a country that's uh, pretty close to the UK and then I ended up getting a, a ferry back in. And th this is how stupid the uh, intelligence services are. They, they didn't actually know that I was home for, uh, for three weeks. So one morning I was just waking up and then my mom's door just came off. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was like armed police, um, what I believe to be um, sort of, you know, uh, soldiers, basically. Um, there were special branch officers, there were people that wouldn't identify themselves, that I'm pretty confident were um, sort of military intelligence. Um, there's bomb squad. Uh, they ended up doing like um, controlled detonations on um, certain items in the house because they said that there was explosives uh, residue detected, which is absolute bollocks. Um, yeah, they handcuffed all my family, interrogated my family, interrogated me for a very long time. And uh, yeah, basically at the end of the interrogation, and I, I basically hadn't committed any crimes whatsoever, so they had no choice but to let me go. They couldn't charge me with any crimes, anything like that. Um, and I had absolutely no conditions imposed. But one of the things that they did was um, they, they took my passport and they said that my passport was being used as evidence, which I thought was, uh, you know, pretty unfair. Um, at the time, I didn't question it. Um, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I just want to go home kind of a thing. Um, and then when I tried to get my passport back, maybe a, a month or so later, um, that's when all the all the problems started. Um, they basically told me that I couldn't have my passport back, that it was being used as evidence um, for the investigation, um, to which I said, look, I haven't committed any crimes. There's no um, special conditions imposed on me. Uh, this is just a way of you preventing my uh, my freedom of movement. You're just trying to stop me from from travelling to uh, to different places. Um, from that point on, uh, they decided to uh, you know add uh, additional measures. So I'd have to uh, go and speak to police officers all the time. They'd non-stop hand me by phone, hand my family by phone, um, go to my mother's work, go to my father's work, um, this sort of thing. Um, yeah, one, one of the things that they uh, wanted us to do was to uh, to go to prevent meetings. Like, what prevent is? Is it some, like, bullshit, like, de-radicalisation fucking scheme that's been set up by the government? And it's uh, mainly aimed at people like jihadists. 
So people that have tried to join Dash, people that have joined Dash and then, uh, you know, they're bringing them home and they're trying to reintegrate them into society. And I was the only person there that was like the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, so, you know, after the one meeting, I said, fuck this, this is a load of bullshit. I'm not coming to this. Like, this isn't sort of tailored to uh, to me kind of a thing. And, uh, yeah, from then on, the, the problems just got worse. Obviously, when you've been investigated for, for terrorism, you have to uh, legally sort of notify any prospective employers or, uh, and you know, tell people that you've been investigated for terrorism. So... It's pretty hard to get a job anyway, because as soon as people hear that trigger word terrorist, they're like, whoa, fuck that, you, yeah, I can't give you a job. So it did take me a long time to, to get a job. When I did like, finally manage to get a job, they actually sent people to my work and sort of told my, my manager that I'm a, a terrorist. And my manager was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And then it got to the point where my uh, my manager just said, look, uh, I can't can't do this anymore. The, like the, the place that I was working at was a hotel. So, you know, you have to put yourself in the uh, hotel manager's shoes. When you've got police coming in like every couple of days every week or whatever it's it's not looking good when you when clients are like asking well why why are the police here kind of a thing it really doesn't look good so in the end he had to he had to fire me basically um so yeah all all these things i mean it's it's not just me that this sort of thing happens to it's not just me that was prevented from getting on with my life this happens to to all yepi gay volunteers and it doesn't just happen in our country it doesn't just happen in britain happens all across europe if you look at american or canadian volunteers they're just left to it when they go home you know they're probably spoken to for maybe half an hour an hour at the airport and they're just like left to get on with their lives so it seems like a an active effort by the security services to try and prevent people from you know being able to continue with their lives when they come home and uh uh, yeah, it, it, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. I mean, we've uh, seen, uh, you know, within the last 18 months alone, we've seen, uh, you know, Jim Matthews managed to get the charges against him dropped. He had to jump through hoops and go to hearings and trials and all this malarkey. And then we've seen uh, Aidan James actually get prosecuted and now he's serving like a prison sentence and uh, just over the last couple of weeks we've seen uh, Daniel Burke um, who I actually fought with a, a lot um, we, we both sort of crossed together we fought in Dare Resort together and yeah he's uh, actually on remand at the moment he's uh, you know awaiting, awaiting a hearing which is on the uh, 17th of January and then yeah from then on he'll, he'll probably have to go to trial as well now so yeah as I say this is like an active persecution effort by a uh, by, by the British state basically just to, to try and inconvenience us as much as possible and it looks like it's a way of trying to dissuade other people from you know from coming to join the epic or from going to fight with other groups around the world um, I think the, the the state in general are just a bit frightened that if people get it into their heads that they they don't have to listen to this bullshit that they can you know fight for themselves they can do the right thing they don't have to listen to the government then all hell's going to break loose they, they lose their control they lose their grasp on power then so yeah it's, it's one of those things i mean everybody will keep fighting against it legally and in other ways as well and we'll we'll see what happens right so what i don't really get though dan is you know i know a few volunteers and you know obviously you know most of them not everyone 
of them in the UK has, has had this happen to them where their doors have been kicked off and what have you. Um, why do you think they've come so strongly against you? You know, I mean, it's not even like you're one of the particularly ideological guys, you know what I mean? You, you know, we know each other. I know you're not like a, a militant communist. I know you're not particularly invested in any political kind of party. I mean, you know, maybe explain why is it you think they've come after you so heavily? And also, you know, maybe tell us why, you know, what were your motivations for going out to fight in the first place? Why do you feel it's important that you're out there? You know what I mean? To be honest with you, I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of different reasons. I think, obviously, the way that I've, I came home initially, I don't think that kind of helped. I think that probably, uh, you know, pissed them off quite a lot that they couldn't stop somebody from getting into the country. Like, the, the way I got in, like... I don't know, if I was a police, I'd think, oh, fuck, we need to uh, to uh, have a look at fucking border security or whatever, because if I've managed to get in and I've just come back from a war zone and I chose that route to come in, how many ISIS fighters managed to come back that way? And I can tell you now, I know for a fact that ISIS fighters have come back the same way that I came back. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident that that's one of the, the reasons. Another reason, obviously, I'm from a, a city called Birmingham, which is like notorious for um, for being like an epicenter of uh, of jihadism. I mean, you know, your uh, your listeners can sort of just whack Birmingham and ISIS into uh, into Google, and they'll see how many you know different fucking like ISIS fighters or whatever have uh, come from my city. So I think you know some of it might be to sort of say to the public. You know, look, we're, we're not just targeting, you know, Muslims. We're, you know, going after everybody. We're, you know, we're branding everybody the, the same. Um, so, you know, it might be their attempt at equality kind of a thing. And it's just escalated. Obviously, I'm not one of those people that's going to sit there and take bullshit off the police or take bullshit off the government. I'm going to, you know, I, I know my rights. I'm going to, you know, always fight for my rights no matter what. So I think, you know, that's probably another reason why it's escalated. But, as I say, I think it's to uh, to try and you know sort of frighten people into uh, into thinking that they can't do this kind of thing, but but they can. It's easy to 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 fight for your own you know fight for your own beliefs and fight for what you think's right. You don't have to accept the given narrative all the time. You know, one of the biggest reasons for me coming out here was. You know, I I know what's going on out here. I've I've seen it with my own eyes as well now. Whereas before it was just like research. I knew the kind of crimes that were being perpetrated out here, and then I came out here and I saw them. And like like you say, I'm not like a, an overly political guy. Like um, you know, anyone that knows me, they'd probably say like I'm a a bit of a lefty or whatever. Um, but it's not like I'm a communist. I'm not an anarchist. I'm nothing like that. And I'm relatively uh, apolitical now. But what this comes down to is it's you know. It's human morality like everybody knows the difference between right and wrong and you know if your government's unwilling to speak out against the wrong th- wrong things then it's up to you as a an individual as a person to say look that's wrong man you, you shouldn't be doing that you you, you got to fight against that you got to speak out against that so I think, yeah, as a, an individual, it's really important that you make your government listen to you. Your government is there to, to serve you. you. We're not here to serve our government. Our government can't tell us, you know, what we can and can't do. If we if we see evil, then we should speak out against that evil. So, you know, what Turkey's doing here now it is a genocide. They're, you know, forcibly uh, moving people away from their their 
their area from their home. They're changing the uh, ethnic makeup of an area. It's ethnic cleansing. Like, even by the UN's definition, that is a, a genocide. And if my government doesn't want to speak out against that, then it's entirely up to me to, to you know, to do something about that. And this is why it's it, it, one of the reasons why it's important that, that I'm here. Like, I want the, the people here and I want people around the world to know that this shit can't happen. It can't go unanswered. Like, I, my family history, my, uh, my grandparents on both sides are Jewish and they were all sort of brought to the UK because people said no. They said, look, this is wrong. This is bullshit and they actually smuggled my uh, my grandparents as children to the uk so you know i feel like uh, an affinity with the, what the people here are going through like my family are survivors of genocide and you know hopefully i can give other people that, that same chance i can help them resist genocide and i can help you know prevent a genocide here or whatever so yeah like like you say it's it, it's one of those things it just comes down to your your morality another reason for me being out here is like i previously said i'm from birmingham a lot of isis fighters come from my city and i wanted people to uh to know that not everybody from birmingham is a terrorist you know what i mean like we don't have to, to take this shit. We can fight back against all of this and we have to make enough noise and we have to shout and, you know, create as many actions as possible to make our government listen to us. And, you know, even if at some point I go home and I end up going to prison, it was fucking worth it. 100% it was worth it. Like, I know that what I'm doing out here is the right thing. Like, you all know what's going on here is wrong. Like, Turkey cannot get away with this. ISIS cannot get away with this. Like, we have to stop it, and it is within our power to stop it. So, yeah, these are the main reasons why I decided to uh, to come to Rojava, and these are the reasons why I feel so strongly about being here. Like I say, I'm not going to gain anything out of this. We don't get paid. You know, I'm not going to go home and fucking sign, like, a, a million-dollar like movie fucking contract with somebody and be like the next fucking Bruce Willis or something. Like, my life's over. I've, I've basically ruined my life by coming here do you know what I mean like I knew the options were either prison or I'm going to die and I still decided to come out here and come back because it's the right thing to do so and I know lots of other people come out here for the same reasons as me and lots of other people come out here for uh, political reasons or whatever so yeah it's a multitude of reasons I mean obviously now I understand the uh the ideology of you know some of the the groups out here are a bit better, and I completely agree with some of the uh, ideological aspects of some of the groups out here. So another reason why a lot of people come out here is because this is a, a woman's revolution. Like one one of the the main sort of aspects of the ideology here is like the liberation of women and the freedom of women. Like women in the Middle East, they're, they're treated like a commodity. They're, they're not even like people. They're like the property of men. And you, you, we've seen ourselves with the with the YPJ. We've seen like that women can fight for themselves. That they can do the same things as men. And that's what it's all about. But like th this is like a, a candle in the uh, in the darkness. In like in the rest of the Middle East, the rest of the Middle East is fucked. If you look at it, like the whole thing is fucked. You, you got obviously the the Israel Palestine situation. You got all the fucking uh, jihadist groups um, that sort of get all their funding from like Qatar and Saudi Arabia or whatever. You got fucking like a, a military dictatorship in fucking Egypt. You got civil war in fucking Libya. Like it, it's crazy. And Roger was like a, a beacon of light in all of that. And it's gonna, like, yeah, yeah. We're hoping that it sets a, a precedent for other people to follow. And the good thing about the the, the structures here 
or that anybody can come here like everybody gets their say so it doesn't matter whether or not you you know you agree with something or disagree with it you get your say so it's majorly important that that Rojava continues and it's majorly important that we stand up to Turkey and we say no not today we won't allow you to to commit the genocide that you're committing so I'm, I'm hoping that you know, as time goes on, more and more people, people that don't, well, didn't know about Rojava before, or people that aren't really political, they stand up and say, yeah, do you know what? That, that guy's right. That, that crazy brummy guy, he's right. Like, this is absolutely fucking ridiculous what's going on. There's fucking women and children being killed just because they're fucking Kurdish or whatever. Like, this can't happen. It's the 21st fucking century, man. Well, because of this, because of, you know, your conviction to do all this, the second time around, your dad's been arrested, right? Um, tell us what's going on there. I know that there was some confusion. The police said they charged your dad and then they said, no, they haven't. There was a weird article in The Guardian and then you said the police took some stuff down off Facebook to say they didn't charge him. Like, what's going on with all that? What was he charged with? And just explain the situation. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, what happened was um, I sort of found out that my uh, my father had been arrested and that my uh, my mother and like, my brother had been uh, interrogated for about 13 hours. And, um, yeah, on the police's update thing on Facebook, at first they uh, said that a 49-year-old man had been uh, charged and then they removed it off and then the, the Guardian wrote that article saying that he'd been charged. And uh, yeah, the, the whole thing was uh, rather confusing. But um, yeah, the, the way it stands at the moment is, uh, yeah, my, my dad was actually arrested and then um, after four days he was released on bail but without charge. And uh, he actually has to go to court um, in like a, about a week's time. I'm not too sure what the exact date is, but uh, I'll find that out. Um, but yeah, he has to go to uh, to like a magistrate's court to find out whether or not he will be charged, which is uh, really fucking strange. And um, yeah, but basically what it stems from is, uh, so Daniel Burke was um, arrested on the, the 7th of December and uh, he was charged with like three things. So one of the things was uh, providing material um, support to a terrorist organization, um, which is basically they're saying that he uh, helped fund a terrorist group. Um, and then he's got two charges of preparation for acts of terrorism. Um, so the, the one charge that actually relates directly to my to myself, um, what they're saying is that I used his network of contacts to get back into Rojava, which is absolutely fucking incorrect. Um, you know, people know how this works and they know that if you've been here before, you can get here again kind of a thing. Um, yeah, so from that, they ended up... Um, sort of raiding my uh, my dad's house in the same way that they'd raided my mom's house after the first time I came back from Rojava. Um, and yeah, they seized all of his uh, electronics, everything like that. And uh, they interrogated him for, uh, yeah, for like four days. So what they basically said to him is that uh, I'm a terrorist and because I'm fighting against Turkey, I'm definitely a, a terrorist. Um, and he was just like, no, like, uh, what, what's going on out there is like, genocide and um, there's still british soldiers out there like th this is just absolute bollocks and he refused to uh, cooperate which is one of the reasons why um they ended up having to uh, to ask the court for an extension to keep him um so they could only uh, hold him for like 36 hours and then they had to get the uh the sort of um yeah the extension off the courts to uh you know to be able to detain him longer to question him so yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with my dad. I don't know what's going to happen with, with Daniel Burke, but 
you know, what what's going on now is just fucking, it's absolutely obscene. Um, you know, because they can't get to me, they're, they're actively targeting my family as well now. And uh, this just shows like the, the change in tactics. Obviously the, the previous tactics, the previous ways that they try and prevent us from coming to, uh, to Rojava, they're just not working. Obviously, if we want to come here, we will come here no matter what. So instead now they're, they're going after our, our families. So like my, my dad at the moment, he's on the, um, you know, gardening leave from work as well. So depending on whether or not he gets charged, um, you know, he, he might lose his job or he might not kind of a thing. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, my dad was, um, my dad's house was raided, but police also went round to my mom's house, but they actually went round to my uh, to my mom's house without a warrant. And, uh, you know, they, they showed up mob-handed. There was like seven police officers there, and they uh, outright said to my mom, they said, uh, look, if you uh, don't come for voluntary questioning, we're going to arrest you. So my mom was like, okay, fuck this. I'll just go in for uh, questioning, answer your questions, blah, blah, blah. And she was in there for 12 hours. Um, and then when they took her back home after, they, uh, they basically said to her, oh, can we, uh, can we come in and have a look and she said no not without a fucking warrant you can't and then the uh, police officer said yeah we'll uh, we'll come back with a warrant but obviously the way it works in the uh, UK um, to be able to get like a search warrant there has to be uh, an arrest name attached to that warrant so the, the chances are they'll probably come back at some point and arrest my mum as well and um, yeah, this just shows how fucking ridiculous it's getting. Obviously, all this happened um, just after the NATO conference in London. So Erdogan and uh, Boris Johnson, that big fat twat with the uh, the silly hair, um, they both had like a snidey like little side meeting. And obviously, Yepigi fighters must have been a topic of conversation in that. So yeah, it's been decided now that instead of uh, you know just uh, attacking us, attacking the uh, actual volunteers. They're going to try and, um, you know, inconvenience the families as well. Like, whether or not my, my dad does or doesn't get charged, that's, like, irrelevant. Like, my, my dad's getting over cancer at the moment. He's, uh, I'm sure you've probably seen in the news stories, he had, uh, like, esophageal cancer, so he's had his esophagus and everything removed. Like, he, he doesn't need this fucking bullshit, man. There's absolutely no way that they'll be able to get a prosecution out of him because the Epic is not a prescribed group. So it's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing. It's just like a, a scam tactic i don't know what they're, they're hoping to achieve by you know by treating people's families like this but we'll see how it goes and uh with regards to uh, to daniel burke if they do manage to get a, a prosecution out of him then the chances are they'll probably go back and arrest his family as well so you know dark times ahead this is going to have a, a knock-on effect for for all yepigi volunteers from the uk and not just the uh, the yepigi volunteers even the uh, the people that go to the international commune as well so like the, the commune the, the commune don't have absolutely anything to do with you know with uh with, with like the military side of things at all they literally just turn up they help build schools you know they do farming they mingle with the locals um teach children english that sort of thing and you know this could have a, an effect on them as well now like there's absolutely no way that any of us are a terrorist and then to you know to attempt to fucking to go after our families and call our families terrorists just because of the things that we do like this is an absolute joke this is like some fucking 1930s and 40s gestapo shit and not only that it's just uh you know it's uh very reminiscent of how the uh, the British government behaved to the Nazi party in the uh, 1930s. It's like a, an act of appeasement.
I'm not too sure what the uh, the reason is. Um, obviously, I know that Britain sells a lot of arms to uh, to Turkey, so I'm I'm not too sure whether or not it's to do with that or it's to do with um, you know Erdogan's threats to to release lots of uh, refugees into Europe or whatever. But whatever it is, it's just the. Uh, yeah, like it, it just shows that the British government has got absolutely zero backbone. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, you know, nothing happens. Hopefully, the just leave my fucking dad alone. Hopefully, Daniel Burke's fucking, you know, it, hopefully his uh, appeal is um, successful. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully he doesn't have to go to trial or anything. But if this carries on, then yeah, I think this is going to be really bad for a, a lot of Yepigi fighters. I think if uh, one of us gets prosecuted, um, you know, like especially now, then I think everybody will get prosecuted. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Right. I mean, from from my opinion anyway like my opinion is that they're doing this to kind of scare fighters or scare volunteers going to fight uh with the ypg however the terror thing is one of the most underhanded tactics i can think of when they're going after your family because like you say the ypg is not a prescribed terror organization now yes they're heavily linked to the pkk but uh it, it, it's irrelevant in terms of the law the ypg is not you know prescribed also um you know, they're, they're, we, we've been allied with the YPG. The British, you know, British government has helped them out there. I mean, have you seen any evidence that they're still out there at all? Because I know that there are, you know, I've heard and there have been images of like British special forces. You know, they were definitely helping them in the fight against ISIS and what have you. You see, this is the thing, the uh, the war against ISIS is not over. Um, you've probably seen the amount of... Uh, amount of attacks the uh, the last few weeks especially that ISIS have claimed responsibility for I mean even uh, on New Year's Eve there was a uh, attempted uh, car bombings of Derek, uh, Kamishlo and Hasaki um, but obviously the uh, internal security forces and the Yepigis special forces yet um, they actually um, managed to uh, to sort of find the car bombs before they had a chance to uh, to detonate them like <clears throat> British Special Forces are still out here. Coalition Special Forces are still out here. I actually saw British Special Forces myself near uh, Teltama, and you, they can say that they're just fighting against Daesh all they want, but there's uh, there's operations going on against fucking Turkish proxies, and uh, this has been going on for some time. I mean, there was a SAS soldier that was killed in um, Mambij, um, you know, a, a while ago, and uh, they said that he was killed on the counter Daesh um, raids, but it turns out he was actually on raids against Turkish proxies so you know it's basically a, a proxy war so we're fighting a proxy war against one of our allies and the way it works now I mean if this situation between America and Iran escalates um, into a war then you know the, the coalition troops that are here are going to be attacked by uh, Iranian troops are going to be attacked by Hezbollah so they're going to continue to, to to sort of need the EPIG and the SDF so you know the the sort of collusion between, you know, Western powers between the coalition and the and Yepigi, it never stopped. It's gone on from from day dot. So since 2014 up until now, there's always been like um, you know military assistance provided by the West, and there's still training being provided 100%. And uh, I, I think we'll see this continue for some time. Yeah, it's it's very weird. You know, I understand in the eyes of the law, the British government can't just go, yeah, yeah, go go ahead, but also they don't need to. Arresting your parents just to appease Turkey—it's it's outrageous, to be honest. I mean, how how do you feel that you know the British government is coming after you like this? Because I know you—you know—I know we're quite similar in the fact that 
you know, obviously not a nationalist, neither am I, fuck that. But you don't, you don't hate England, like, you know, some people, some Brits here, I fucking hate England. Like, I mean, you know, I hate the government. I'm pretty sure you hate the government. But as, you know, our country, just normal British people, it's like, I like what we got going. You know, other than the, like I said, all the problems the government has created and the, the bad legacy of the, the history from the government. But otherwise, you know, I know you're not like, you know, you're British. How, do you, how does it feel that, you know, <laughs> your government is coming after you like that? Oh man, this is uh, this is probably going to get me into uh, to trouble with a lot of uh, a lot of leftists now. A lot of my uh, my uh, comrades here, but uh, I, I fucking love my country. Like I genuinely love my country. There's absolutely no way on God's green earth that I would ever, ever, ever do anything to hurt my country. And like the the way I look at it, a country is made up of the people in that country. Like a country isn't the government. A country isn't like the fucking land. It's the people. And I, I love British people. I absolutely love everything about British culture. Like don't get me wrong. Yes, our history isn't the greatest. I mean, throughout any like every country's history, they've committed fucking crimes. Do you know what I mean? Like no country's perfect, but. Yeah, like, I really do love my country and I miss my country and it hurts me that I'm either not going to be able to go there or when I do go there, I'm going to fucking just see the inside of a fucking prison cell for fucking God knows however many years. But, yeah, it really hurts me that the uh, that the government, like, come after me like this. Like, at the end of the day, like like I said, they're, they're there to serve us. Like, our government should be serving us. We shouldn't be serving them. And they're literally, it feels like they're throwing us to the wolves. Like, you know, when Dash were doing all these terror attacks all around the world, when there was, like, uh, stabbings going on in London, when British people were getting killed in Britain, when there was a, a suicide bombing in Manchester, which, yes, fair enough, probably wasn't directly related to Dash, but, you know, Dash at some point took responsibility for it. Like... We came here and we decided to come and fight against these these jihadists and like you know at the time you were all like oh yeah yeah great brilliant Th thanks a lot like we really appreciate it kind of a thing and then as soon as you come back you treat us like we're the enemy we're, we're not the enemy like the reasons why we come here are because we love our country like if people in our countries are getting killed then this is a, a war that is our war as well this affects us so you know if this is a, a, a war from the jihadists targeting us then we should be the ones to to fight back against this and yeah, like, fuck the government, fuck the government, fuck Boris. But, yeah, at some point I would like to come home to my country, but, you know, as it stands at the moment, if they're going to, uh, you know, try and prosecute me, then I, I probably won't come back. And it hurts to think that I might never see never see my home again. You know, I spent my, my whole life in, in Britain. I absolutely love Britain. And I don't just, like, love one part of Britain. I love, I love all of it. I love everything about it. I love the music. I... You know, I love the castles, I fucking, I really do miss my home, I miss it a lot. And yeah, like, I don't know, it does really hurt me that, that our government are willing to, to just like, cast us aside, do you know what I mean? Just to, you know, just try and please like another country, like, 
it's one of those things. Oh, I'm sure one day I'll uh, I'll get over it, but but for now I'll I'll try not to uh, think about home as much as possible, and I'll uh, just concentrate on what's going on here. At the end of the day, even if I can't go back to the the country that I, I love with with all of my heart, then you know it's it's still worth it, man. Like it, it really is. Like I wouldn't change this for the world. I'm glad I'm out here, and I'm glad that I'm uh, helping in this way. And uh, if that means that I can't go go home, then I can't go home. It's, yeah, it's one of those things, man. Yeah, Dan, I, I agree. And I've had this trouble as well, explaining to people that I, you know, it's like, no, I love our country. And it doesn't, not, unfortunately, when people say that, usually it's fucking far right cunts who are like, what they mean is, white people and you know all that fucking bollocks what i mean is and i'm sure what you mean is right it's like anyone who fucking comes here and you know you want to be do do what we're doing and like you know and get involved that's us you're our people you don't have to be white you don't have to be black you don't have to be whatever it don't even matter if you weren't born here. it's like if you're here you're enjoying it it's going well for you and whatever i mean not going well because obviously a lot of immigrants get treated like shit but you know what i mean like if you if you're fucking you know what I mean? Like you like you want to be there. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be here, and it's like, yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, and unfortunately, the government and again the fucking far right assholes ruin that. And there is a perception of England to the rest of the world that is not what, to be honest, normal working class people have. A lot of people don't mean I love my government, I love this stupid fucking flag or whatever it is. A lot of people, it's like, well, no. You know, they're my peoples from my area and we grew up with and your mates and, you know, and then to be honest, a big part of that is is the way multiculturalism has, has worked in the UK. Um, and a lot of people say it hasn't worked. Uh, it's either fascists or people on the, you know, absolute kind of extreme left of the, the weirdos that kind of want segregation um you know like don't enjoy things from other cultures well no that's why it's great that we have all these other cultures here anyway i'm on a fucking tangent i think you know what i'm saying but um yeah i don't know then is, is there anything is there anything else you want to say before we leave man you know i do honestly like feel bad for you in this situation but you know you you feel like you're doing the right thing and that's what matters but um yeah, like, is, is there anything else you just want people to know, uh, to hear about, you know, before we kind of wrap this up now? Yeah, exactly, man. Fucking all these uh, right-wing people that fucking talk about the glory days of the British Empire. Well, empire's founded on multiculturalism. Like, me being from Birmingham, I can see that multiculturalism does work, and I'm fucking, I'm proud of it. And, yeah, th that's exactly what I mean when I say fucking the people is the people from everywhere. Like, even the Balti was fucking created in my, uh, my glorious city. Shout out to Birmingham. But, um, yeah, before we uh, wrap this up, man, I just wanted, uh, yeah, I just want people to, to know that what's going on out here is a genocide and uh, you should all be lobbying your uh, MPs as much as possible if you're a uh, British, um, you know, fucking protest, protest as much as you can. I would say uh, boycott Turkey, but again, that only hurts Rojava because that's the only uh, place that we managed to get a lot of our goods from at the moment. Um, just don't forget what these, uh, these people sacrificed on all of your behalf. These people suffered more than anybody on behalf of the whole world. Like 15,000 people from here died in the war against ISIS, and you're all just turning your backs on them. Like, history is not going to look favorably upon anybody that just casts these people like to the side and just forgets about them. Like, no matter what, 
we will keep making noise. We'll make sure that you do remember us. And if Turkey wants to carry on, that's fine. We'll uh, we'll put up that much of a resistance and everybody will always remember us. It doesn't matter whether we win or lose now. It's just the act of resistance that, that's like, that's the most important thing. So whether we win or lose, people will remember Rojava. But hopefully we win. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. But, uh, yeah, we'll keep fighting no matter what. And hopefully one day I can come back to my uh, country. And I just want everybody back home to know that, yeah, I'm definitely not a terrorist. My initial reason for being here was because I love you lot that much. And I want the people here to have the same freedoms that we take for granted in our countries. And you should never forget the sacrifices that the people here have made. So... Yeah, but uh, other than that, bro, thanks uh, thanks a lot for hearing me out, and I appreciate all your uh, listeners um, hearing me out as well. But, uh, yeah, just keep what you're doing, and also subscribe to Popular Front or fuck off. <laughs> yeah, mate, thanks very much, man. Good luck out there, Dan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put this out as bonus, and then I'll put it up uh, publicly after a few weeks, so everyone will get to hear it, mate. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, stay safe out there, mate.